0: a reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses verses 1 through 31. Now Saul, still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, Whether men or women, he might bring them in shackles to Jerusalem. Now, as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told to you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias! And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of <laughs> Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying and he has seen a vision in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight But Ananias answered Lord I've heard from so many people about this man, how much harm he did to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel for I will show him how much he must suffer in behalf of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit, And immediately something like fish scales fell from his eyes. And he regained his sight. And he got up and was baptized. And he took food and was strengthened. Now for several days he was with the disciples who were in Damascus. And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues saying, He is the Son of God all those hearing him continued to be amazed and were saying, Is this not the one who in Jerusalem destroyed those who called on this name and had come here for the purpose of bringing them bound before the chief priests? But Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding Jews who had lived in Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were also closely watching at the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him at night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. When he came to Jerusalem... He tried repeatedly to associate with the disciples and yet they were all afraid of him as they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus at Damascus. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. Now, when the brothers learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. So the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed peace as it was built up. And as it continued in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it kept increasing. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Okay, so last week Stephen taught on Acts chapter 8, the spread of the gospel after the stoning of Stephen. So now we're on chapter 9, the conversion of Saul, or our message title, Saul Repents. Let's pray. Father, you obviously see uh, things in us that you would like to bring along to conform to the image of Christ. And we thank you for pointing those out to us uh, just a few at a time, since you won't ever give us more than we can handle. But we thank you for lowering yourself and becoming a man and going where we could not go and living in perfect righteousness and spreading wide your righteousness over every one of us. And now, Lord, empower us and renew our mind and our hearts to fix our eyes on him who died for us, to wash away our sin, and give us a mind to be disciples of Christ in a whole new way, and and with renewed vigor and zeal, that we might put away the sin that entangles us and follow hard after you. Amen. All right, I'm not going to read Acts 9 again because Teresa just did. So keeping it in mind, Christ appeared to Saul on the road. Uh, he looked up and he saw like something like the sun. Of course, that was Jesus. And he, his eyes were opened, but he couldn't see anything. He was blind. He was struck with blindness upon seeing Christ. And he ate nothing, drank nothing for three days, three nights, And he went into the city, and he was told what he should do. And the Lord sent another brother named Ananias to place his hands on him and say, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. He took food, and he ate, and he was strengthened. And he immediately began testifying that Jesus is the Son of God, right? An astonishing conversion. But when we read Acts 9... We tend to focus on Jesus appearing to Saul, making him go blind, and then on the third day, Saul is a new man, right? It seems kind of magical. He's converted from being an opponent of Christ to being a wholehearted servant of Christ, and we know him from having read the rest of Acts and read his epistles. But today, we will go a little deeper and consider together what happened during those three days when Saul was blind and neither ate nor drank. But first, who was Saul? Let's go back to chapter 7. The end of chapter 7, when Saul was holding everyone's coats so that they could use both hands to throw rocks at Stephen, a righteous man. This is Saul. Saul was in on that. Chapter 7, verse 54, Stephen had proclaimed that, uh, the, that the Sadducees and the people gathered there, including Saul, uh, were always resisting the Holy Spirit like their forefathers, the rebellious people of Israel, generally rebellious. And when they heard these things, they were enraged. Unlike in Acts 2, when the people were cut to the heart, these people were enraged and their faces flushed and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. They cast him out of the city, And stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of his executioner. Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, 2, The hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. That's Saul. That's a perfect description of how troubled, wicked, and backwards Saul's thinking was. He was totally disconnected from the life of God, and he was used by the accuser of the brothers to capture, harm, and accuse, and even kill the people of God. In Saul's own words, 1 Timothy 1, 1.3, I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people. I did it in ignorance and unbelief. You see, sin blinds us. And this is true both before and after we become followers of Christ. Sin blinds us. And in Acts 9, Jesus didn't blind Saul. Sin blinded Saul. Wait a minute, that's not true, is it? Let's look at that together. Chapter 9, verse 3. Verses 3 through 9. He went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Do you see how Jesus personally identifies with his people But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now skip ahead to verse 17. Verse 17. So Ananias comes in and prays for him. He enters the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, verse 17, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes. Can you picture that? Have you ever worn contact lenses? Your contact lens pops out. Especially if you've worn those little hard gas permeable contact lenses, they really are kind of like scales on your eyes. They can even get cloudy. So when God appeared to him, clearly it was Jesus who unblinded Saul. But in this passage, notice that Saul had already been walking in darkness, unable to see God, unable to see reality. When God appeared to him, he simply opened his eyes to his blindness. Look at verse, uh, verse 8. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. I don't think Saul even repented right away. I think he was stunned for a while. And here he gets up after Christ appears to him, and he can see nothing. I don't think Saul repented right away. It says he was blind, which in the Gospel of John, in the book of Acts and elsewhere, is a metaphor for not being able to see God because we're blinded by sin. We're going to see that again in Acts 13, when Saul and Barnabas are on the island of Cyprus. And Saul says to the magician, Elymas that he will be blind, and he goes blind. But sin blinds us. It is typical for us to be blind to sin unless someone points it out to us, which is a very loving thing to do. That is why it says in 1 John chapter 1, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. That's the blindness Saul had been walking in all his life. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So Saul was a man who was blind and walked in darkness, blinded by sin, as we also can be. And we want to find out what happened to Saul that he changed. God opened his eyes, yes. Only God can open our eyes. Yes. But what was he doing for those three days and nights when he didn't eat or drink? Do you know how hard it is to not eat or drink for three days? I do not recommend this for anyone. Don't go three days without water. But Saul realized when, he, when Christ appeared to him that he was as blind as the Ninevites in the book of Jonah, who didn't know their right hand from their left hand. You know the saying, it was so dark I couldn't see my hand in front of my face? God testifies of the Ninevites in the book of Jonah. They don't know their right hand from their left hand. They're so blind they can't even tell them apart. When Christ appeared to him and began to convict him of his sin, he realized he was like the Ninevites. And when God sent the prophet to prophesy to the Ninevites, repent, they did. In this passage, in Acts 9, God didn't just magically change Saul and then he was a servant of Christ who didn't sin again. Saul responded to the grace of God the same way we do, the same way we must. This picture, this passage, is a picture of what repentance looks like. It happened like this. Jesus chased after Saul, who was running from God, filled with religious zeal. Jesus stopped him and got his attention with some trials and tribulations because he loved him. And Saul actually had to do something. He had to respond to the grace of God. He had to In the words of Jesus, when he found a man who he had healed, Jesus told him, John 5.14, See, you are well. Sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. And again, to the woman who had been caught in adultery, Jesus said, John 8.11, Then neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. In Acts 9.9, 9, it says that for three days Saul was without sight and he neither ate nor drank. This is because for three days he was under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and he was fasting and praying and seeking the Lord and repenting of his sin against Jesus and against the followers of God. Can you see that in this passage? Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Jesus spoke to Saul. The Holy Spirit convicted Saul of his sin, and the Father drew him. God adopted Saul into the family of God. But a necessary part of that responding to the grace of, of, of that, a necessary part of that, is responding to the grace of God with repentance. And that is true for coming to Christ and for continuing to follow Christ every day. Repentance is not, "I'm sorry, please forgive me." Do you think that would have worked for Saul? Think about it if he had come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, having been struck with blindness, or rather his blindness was revealed, and then after three days, Ananias prayed for him, and he's like, good, I've seen the Lord. Now I know who the Lord really is. And he went out and persecuted the Christians some more just to finish what he'd started, right? Where would Saul be now? He wouldn't be with the Lord in paradise. He would have come under judgment. Repentance is not, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning toward God. If you remember your Old Testament, I'm sorry, please forgive me is what King Saul said. But he only wanted his guilt to go away. Biblical repentance is turning away from my sin toward God. It's even more than not sinning. It's a personal thing. What's happening here to Saul in Acts 9 is personal. He turns toward Christ. He looks and sees a person, Jesus. He sees Jesus transfigured, beautiful, shining like the sun in all his brilliance, risen from the dead and immortal, dwelling in unapproachable light, In Acts nine, Saul sees the same person Stephen saw in Acts eight, Acts seven. Although I think it took him a little while to repent and turn to Christ after Christ had first spoken to him. And God still speaks. God rebukes and chastises all those he receives as sons. When God rebukes us, it is a good thing to be embraced. It doesn't mean he's rejecting you. Quite the opposite. It means God is treating us as sons. Hebrews twelve seven, specially chosen daughters and sons. And for the moment, no discipline seems pleasant but painful. But if we repent by saying that we have sinned and asking for empowerment to stop sinning, and then turn from doing evil and do good because we fear the Lord and want to please the Lord and because his kindness has led us to repentance. Then we have responded to the grace of God. Repentance is always personal. It's turning away from our sin, looking away unto Jesus laying aside the sin that so easily entangles, and running toward Jesus. This is not only how Saul and every disciple of Jesus enters the kingdom of God, it is the daily process by which we follow him. This is the abundant life Jesus came to bring us, not just to save us from punishment for our sin once and for all, but actually to give us victory over sin again and again and again. Repentance from all our sin and turning back to God is a daily process for Christians that doesn't, I'm quoting uh, the Gospel Coalition, that doesn't merely alleviate guilt, but cultivates deep joy. As they say, the way up is down. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Along the journey of following Christ, Satan will accuse you. But the Holy Spirit points out our sin so that he can turn us away from it and look away unto Jesus. Satan wants you to be condemned, rejected, and ashamed, like you're not wearing any clothes and everyone is mocking you. But Jesus, but God took upon himself our shame, our shameful nakedness, there where he hung on the cross. Taking our sin upon himself, he was rejected for us, punished for us, and descended into hell so that we might not be thrown into hell for our sins. And we would have been, each one of us. I deserve hell, but that's not what I got. God gave me the Holy Spirit. And the first step in the process of choosing, purifying, adopting, and making you his servant. To no longer live for yourself, but to serve him, is sending the Spirit of Jesus to speak his words to you. He will not condemn us for our sin, but he will open our eyes to see our sin. He lovingly does this until we humble ourselves and repent by turning from our sin. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's pray. Father, we pray that the spirit of repentance would come upon this congregation especially me, and that you would not only heal us, but you would turn our hearts and our minds to you, that you would empower us to set our hearts on him who set his eternal love on us and to set our minds on him who came to renew our minds. We pray that you would wash our minds in the word of God and that we would be renewed daily by this gospel which saves. Not only which saved, but which saves and which will save. And we pray that the salvation which is past and present and future, that is predestined by he who adopts and chooses children from long before we were ever born. We pray that this salvation would become effective for every one of us, Lord, in this room. And we pray that you would convert our minds from the old way of thinking that it's one and done and now I'm good, I'm going to heaven, to the new way of following Christ, which is the old way of following Christ, that we would truly follow him and that we would commit our way to him and turn to him and seek his face every single day, for this is basic to following Christ. Thank you, Lord. Let your grace be upon us. Amen.